Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome to the Two Robbies podcast. I'm Robbie Earl, and as ever, I've got my buddy Robbie Musto with me. And today, for one day and one day only, we delight to announce our special guest, the voice that is Derek Ray, joins us on our podcast. And it's been a while since we've done a podcast, so we thought we'd take a look at the state of the Premier League at the top of the table to discuss what's just happened over the last 20 games. But before we get down to business, just time to read out one of the reviews sent to us by one of our listeners, a Wanam. And he's a Swansea fan. He said, I'm a Swansea fan to the core. I chose the Swans two years ago because they were the only Welsh club in the Premier League. Their rise to the Premier League after being on the brink of insolvency is an amazing story. They're also a small club and they always like to root for the underdogs. So go Swans. So do keep those reviews coming into us on the Two Robbies podcast and we'll read out the best ones on our Premier League podcast each week. Now, gentlemen, down to business. I'm going to start the day off, I think, with Robbie Musto. Carlos Carvalhal is the new manager of Swansea City. Discuss, Mr. Muster. <laughs> Before I discuss, we, we have the voice with us, and, and I think me and you, mate, we need a little bit of help. So let's get uh, Derek to just to say how we say his name, by the way, first of all. So Derek, just Carlos, give us that, that second name properly. Here right? we go, Robbie and Robbie. It's Carlos Carvalhal. Carvalhal. There you go. You've got to say it with Carvalhal. a dramatic flourish. So there's like a, there's is he any owl. good? What I want to know. Is he any good and is he going to keep Swansea in the league? Oh, is he any good? Um, massive question mark about that. No um, proven track record in the Premier League. Is he going to keep him in the, in the Premier League? No, he's not. And, uh, you know, you've used a word before, Rob, like uninspiring mm. um, about new manager appointments. And I, I was shocked about this one. I was shocked. Now, Sheffield Wednesday is a team that I was at for one season, so mm. I, I keep a little bit of a, a close ear to what's going on there. And, of course, with him, they got to the playoffs for a couple of times. They didn't make it through uh, and win the playoffs to get into the Premier League. Um, this season was a disappointing run of results. And the Sheffield Wednesday fans had had enough and was basically shouted him out. Shouted mm. him out in the loss against Middlesbrough. And both managers of those clubs uh, lost their jobs that day. So, um, I... I, I I mean, I can be as I can be as understanding or as cruel as I like, Rob. But but my main thought is this is Swansea waving the white flag. This yeah. is a cheap option. What it's you six think? months? It's just like we've got to change wow. a manager. There was talk of of, of Tony Pulis, mm. of Slaven Bilic, of Ito Karanka, of Frank de Boer. Yeah. That are going to be more expensive options with nothing guaranteed. I, I just I don't get it. You know, Paul Clement. I'm a. I like Paul Clement. I like what he's trying to do there. You can see that he cares on the sideline. He was trying his best to turn it around. He'd been there and done it before last. This time last year with January signings, improved results and got him out of trouble. So I, I just don't listen. He could totally prove me wrong. Mm. Um, 
I just don't see what he's going to do that others uh, have tried before him to get this team away from trouble. It was interesting. We had Neil Ashton on earlier today on the shows, and he's, I think he's 17th job as a manager. Yeah. And he said what he does, though, what he does do is go in and have instant impact. So that's a six-month thing, which is his job now. It's interesting, though, Roman. I'm going to bring Derek in here because Derek's mm. sort of been in his company a couple of times mm. viewing it across Europe. What kind of personality do you think we're getting in the Premier League, Derek, on this one? Well, one of the great things, Robbie, when you cover the FA Cup in England, and you know this, mm. uh, is you have access to the managers and normally you'll call up the manager before a game and just get a steer on how the team's playing. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've done that with Carlos Carvalhal, and he's a pleasant gentleman. There's no doubt about that. He's, I would say, a, a philosophy sort of guy. I know some people don't like the word mm-hmm. philosophy in football, but he has his ideas. Um, I think he wants to play football. He comes from that sort of Portuguese tradition mm-hmm. um, of of. Uh, possession football uh, which might tie in with the Swansea way of thinking I know you guys have discussed that on the podcast Mm -hmm. uh, and on NBC in the past I think that it's a strange one whatever way you slice it I agree with Robbie Musto on this Um, when they decided that Paul Clement was not the man to take them forward it's almost as though they then said or asked themselves what do we do now Mm. what's the next move Um, because it doesn't make any sense to me to get rid of a manager and then not have somebody lined up, or at least an idea Mm. of who you might have lined up. And clearly Swansea had no plan. And I find it very puzzling that a guy can leave Sheffield Wednesday, as Carvalhoal has done on Christmas Eve, and all of a sudden he's the right man. I mean, Mm. was there a discussion with him? I know there's not supposed to be. Was there before? I doubt it. It's almost a little bit like um, throwing a a dart against the board (laughs) and hoping it sticks. Mm. Uh, It's not to say that that Carvalhoal's not a good manager. I think he is. But it certainly goes against the idea that uh, you have to have somebody who's Premier League hardens. And uh, although Carvalhoal has managed the likes of Sporting and Mm. Besiktas and, of course, Sheffield Wednesday, He's got no Premier League experience. Let me throw this one in, Robbie Musto, because they go to Watford uh, at the weekend, Swansea, and obviously we'll be looking for a, how they play, but certainly more than that, the result. Let me throw in a man who's managing uh, uh, Watford, Marco Silva, who came into Hull <laughs> with no reputation and actually has been proven to be a very, very good manager. Although he did take Hull down, we have to say, in the end. Is, is it a case that we've got to give this guy a chance? Let's see, let's see what he does, maybe with better players and a better setup he, he can produce? We've been together for too long, mate. That, that was my next question <laughs> to you about. Is, is it, do they think this is the next Marco Silva? Mm. Um, listen, anything's possible, and I'm very weary of... of um, you know, castigating a guy yeah. before he's had an opportunity Correct. because that's done a lot of times with managers yeah. that come into the Premier League and people don't really know the name or who's this guy and it should have gone to other people. Um, you, you, we, of course, we respect who comes in, um, but there's a little bit of English football experience that we can go on there yeah. with in, in the Championship. And, you know, it, it didn't... I mean, other other managers have got their teams to the cha- the uh, playoffs and not made it through. Um, for some reason, you know, this guy's been picked out like he was available. Um, I, just, I just don't see it. I, I think... I think with the previous managers at Swansea, Rob, we've seen of those guys going with different ways, and each way has not worked. It really hasn't. And you know, if you're going to try and play your way out, what's this guy going to do differently than Paul Clement and others before him to try and get Swansea playing the Swansea way, but much better? I just don't believe the squad is good enough. It's a bit weak to try and get out playing that way. Um, I would have been up for, you know, even Tony Pulis now. You know whether you think that he couldn't have worked with this squad of players. At least it's something different. At least mm. you can say, well, okay, he's kind of given up a little bit for now on the Swansea way. We need something different. 
Tony Pulis come in and just do what you do with this group and hopefully stay up. But this isn't enough of a difference for me, um, and I'd be I'd be absolutely shocked unless, of course, they have a miraculous window yep. where they buy in a couple they of players. Might players he knows, yeah. Maybe mm, just maybe, maybe. A European that, that, network. It. It's interesting yeah. you you mentioned Tony Pulis' rap on this. I'm, I was just thinking to myself, you know, in a strange way, surely Cavalio Cavalio would have been better. Maybe going to Middlesbrough at least getting them into the playoffs, which he's proven and that he can do in in the championship. And Tony Pulis, maybe even better at Swansea because he can prove he can keep teams in the league. But listen, mm. they've gone for different different folks, yeah. different strokes. We'll have to see if it works. Let's move it on, Robbie Musso, because we want to kind of do our 20-game review of the season so far. And we're going to start in sixth place, going sort of backwards up up to, to first. We're going to talk about Arsenal in sixth place. Got a 3-2 win against Crystal Palace today. Uh, I'm sure you were watching the game from your comfy seat in, oh, at home. Oh, lovely and <laughs> While Derek and I toiled away. Um, <laughs> Arsenal got it done. I thought, decent performance to him, Alexis Sanchez, Mesut Ozil, yeah. Jack Wiltshire, I thought was, was impressive again. It's four straight games for him. A little bit of Arsenal in the, the late goals, the sloppy goals from, from a corner kick. But on a milestone day for, for Arsene Wenger, 810 games in charge equals the, the number of Sir Alex Ferguson. Again, his Arsenal team find a way with the football, even though they, they gave a couple of goals away. Yeah, I thought it was a difficult game, actually. Uh, Palace have been going well, and mm. the atmosphere, I thought, at the start was, was pretty good. And uh, I, I think we're all a little bit surprised that Palace didn't have a little bit more of a go at them. Mm. But the Arsenal sometimes, with their possession, it's, st- it's stifling, and it's hard to... to to do that when you're chasing the ball a little bit. I mean, yeah, I thought Arsenal played well in patches. I think Jack Wilshere's a little discussion, Robert, we mm. should have because, you know, I've, in terms of what I've seen of him before and at Bournemouth and trying to recover from his awful injury issues he's had over the last few years, I questioned whether his body had recovered enough um, or, or could recover enough to be a major player in the Premier League. And so that's the only thing I'm watching out for Jack Wilshire. I'm watching him very closely in the games now to see how he's moving around. His football speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, the ball today for Alexis' oh. goal was, was fantastic. He's very smart. We know that. And to be fair, he, he's, he's showing better than I thought. Now, mm. I'm not saying that he's, he's totally there. but Get him in the England squad, England captain. <laughs> I, no, I just think I'll give, I'll give I want to give Jack mm. Wilshere some credit because right now as he's as he's playing and as he's looking, you know what? If he keeps this going for the next two or three four months or whatever to the end of the season, he absolutely for me deserves a contract at Arsenal, and I, and I wouldn't have said that three or four months ago. So you know, fitness wise, energy wise, um, his body, his ankles and his leg and his knees etc. seem to be looking okay. What do you think? Well, I'm going to let Derek have a say on that yeah. one because we were watching the game, Derek, and we were actually talking about him, weren't we, Before, just before we knocked that ball and said, you know, the way he's playing, he might play his way back into England contention. Yeah, I think you'd want Jack Wilshere and the England squad. I think he gives you something that maybe you don't otherwise have. Um, Arsenal, I thought, in this game were Arsenal. Mm. Um, some lovely fluent football at times. Uh, I wouldn't say the defending necessarily was terrible, uh, but they give the opposition a chance, don't they? Just through the way that they play. And you almost get the feeling, and Arsene Wenger has been talking about this and the build-up to his 810th Premier League match as a manager. You almost get the feeling that joy is part of who mm. they are and who mm-hmm. they want to be and that it's not just a results orientated business uh, it's about giving the fans something to be excited about to, to get out of their seats and, and we saw that from the likes of Alexis Sanchez and Jack Wilshire with that pass in the game at Selhurst Park um, one of the things I find interesting is how fans go through different phases and it, it seemed to me that talking to Arsenal fans and having been there at games 
that um, some of them were falling out of love a little bit with Alexis Sanchez. Mm. And a lot of that has to do with speculation and right. is he going to be there? Is he not going to be there? You're not going to invest a lot of time or a lot of love in a player if you think he's only there short term. And I had the feeling that uh, Mesut Ozil was was being more appreciated, that, that he's almost um, sort of won a lot of people over uh, in, in recent times. Mm. I think, and, and you and I were talking about this earlier, Robbie Earl, um, I think it's interesting what Arsenal do in the January transfer window in and out. Uh, Arsene Wenger famously has said he doesn't believe that January is a time to do business. He thinks it's a bit of a waste of time, uh, but it's one that we'll have to watch very closely. Interestingly, if Arsenal are to get into the Champions League, I wonder, I don't know if this is controversial, I wonder if their best chance might be by winning the Europa League um, because they're in that competition. They certainly are capable of winning it. That might be more straightforward mm. than, than top four in the Premier League. Well, I think you make a good point there. And I think you look at Alexis, you look at Ozil, look at Wiltshire, all with contracts running out, all players who could be out of the football club in one respect. Do you think maybe two or three could stay? I think Alexis looks like he, he's gone. But he put a performance in today. But just talk uh, as, as we're moving it forward, Rob. I mean, top four spot for Arsenal. Is Europa League going to possibly be their best chance? Or are they good enough? Well, Can they be consistent enough to do it through the yeah. league? They can. Yeah. They can. Of course I'd, they can. They're one, they're, they're one point behind. Um, I, I always felt that this squad this year, with the additions that they brought in, is a top four squad. Arsene Wenger himself said in the summer that our concerted efforts are going to be for a title challenge, which has, has not been there. Um, but he must be enthusiastic about his squad. The only thing on a bigger picture, guys, and I'll get your take on this, uh, just, just kind of going through some thoughts before the podcast on Arsenal. Just, you know, when other clubs... Assigning players, Liverpool, we're going to talk about with Virgil van Dijk mm. for a massive £75 million fee. It seems that other clubs in and around them, Rob and Derek, are moving forwards. They're talking about bringing in players and signing players and improving their squad. And yet Arsenal is talking about players leaving. There's more talk about players leaving than players coming. And, it, and it's just sort of struck me a little bit as you consider the other teams and, you know, a, a, a fighting with a different players and I want the, the contracts and, and different signings. Liverpool have got uh, Nebby Keita coming in for next season as well. They're progressing. They're improving. Where Arsenal, it's more about players like Jack Wilshere that's trying to get there. And, of course, Ozil and Alexis that may be on their way out. It, it, do you know what I mean? Do you th- I mean, are they moving forward? For well, me, La- they're slowly Lacazette, moving Lacazette, backwards. Lacazette's a, a step forward. A, yeah, a 20 it was. Goal, it uh, was. A, a season, man. I think some of that also has to do with the guy in charge, Rob. We know he's probably got 18 more months on his contract. So Jurgen Klopp's buying players for the next three, four, five, six years in, in his football club. You would think the same of Pep Guardiola. Jose Mourinho maybe not quite as long, but he's, he's certainly looking at a longer game. Well, they're all making their squads better. Yeah, but they're you know, making con- it better for, them, for themselves because I think they feel they'll be at the club uh, over a long time. What we've seen Jose talking about, he needs more time. Awesome Wenger, Rob, has probably got a year more yeah, really. But, so what does that mean then? He's not going to sign players So what I've said to you and what we've talked about before, I think Arsenal are in an 18-month holding pattern until they decide when Arsene Wenger moves on and whoever they decide is the next guy comes in, gives them a chance and, and that's where they are. And that's why maybe you know, you, you, you're suggesting they can get in the top four by, by the way they play. I would, I would ask you, if, if they get in the top four then, which of the five teams above them are the ones who drop out? Well, I think, I think, I think Spurs might still struggle a little bit. I mean, wow. they're level points with Arsenal. Uh, no, we know that Harry Kane's in incredible form. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, but that needs Liverpool. one more for Arsenal to get there. That means one more. So Tottenham go then. So who else? Liverpool? No, no. Listen, listen. The window's coming up, Rob. And Virgil Van Dijk's just on Liverpool for seventy-five million pounds. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, we all have to adjust who we think is going to be in the top four. All I said is Arsenal will be going for the top four. You know, but but with that announcement of Liverpool and a, a major improvement to their back four and the way that they're going at the moment, then it looks like Liverpool are, are, are potentially be the favourites. But there's one point mm-hmm. between the three clubs, and, and we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves before the January window comes. But I want to get Derek's take on Arsenal, Derek, about, you know, is there a sense that they're, they're, they're struggling to move forward when you've got two of the best players and some world-class players that, that contracts are, are ending and they could be leaving, so the squad could be getting weaker shortly? Yeah, I think, Robbie, it's the same cycle over and over again with Arsenal. Yeah. I think we could have almost had this conversation yeah. four or five years ago and, and we'd be striking the same notes in terms of where Arsenal are in terms of what they, the long-term plan is. And still there's a reliance, and this is commendable, there's a reliance on players who come through the Youth Academy. I think we were talking earlier, mm. uh, Robbie Earle and I, about the other day, what, four players, four players yeah. the starting eleven who, who came through the Youth Academy. You don't get that uh, from too many other clubs. But I, I agree with what you said about this holding pattern business because I think that is where they are. And you can't blame Arsene Wenger really for staying as long as he wants. He's, he's earned that. I mean, he's received mm. all the plaudits. Um, today and this week for uh, longevity, for the fact that this weekend he's going to go past Sir Alex Ferguson in terms of Premier League games managed. But uh, I I do think that Arsenal could look very different with a new manager, but we don't Mm -hmm. know who that is. We don't know when exactly that's going to be. And I just think looking at the squad, unless there's radical surgery... Um, I'm not sure I can see them in the top four. And, and mm. I, you know, I think the Van Dyke factor, I'm sure we'll get on to Liverpool, but I think the Van Dyke factor mm. does change things. And mm. yes, we have to wait for all the other clubs to see what they do to the extent to which they retool in January. But mm. I'd be hard-pressed to make an argument for Arsenal as a top four team at the moment. OK, so if you can't for Arsenal, can you for Tottenham? Let's, let's move it to, to Tottenham Hotspur. They're fifth place at the moment, 37 points. One point behind Liverpool in, in fourth spot. Harry Kane, hat-trick, uh, Two consecutive hat-tricks, one against Burnley, one against Southampton. I mean, I suppose lots of talks about can Spurs kind of fulfil the ambitions of Harry Kane as the outstanding centre-forward in the league, becoming talked of in bigger circles, as world-class, as maybe going into Europe in the biggest clubs. I mean, can Spurs, A, get in the top four? Can they kind of make Harry Kane happy in terms of salary and silverware? Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, yeah. so they, of course they can get in the top four. They can. They're in a position now that's very, very close, and it's going to be an incredible race between maybe four, three or four clubs to get in the Champions League. Uh, I think the future of Harry Kane is something that's um, very interesting. I think with his current form, Rob, and we, we had a little chat yeah. um, on air, didn't we? The, 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 whenever it was. I mean, there have been so many blooming shows and games. <laughs> um, I just I just think he's gonna. there's going to be an incredible amount of... Um, takers for him you know we had a little chat about it mm. the, the biggest clubs of what he's doing now with this consistency in his, his scoring feats in the third season now he's getting big numbers the 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 examples of his finishing quality I mean that's like for me is the most impressive thing about him is he's br- a, br- a wonderful finisher it means that the big boys are going to come 24 years of age Real Madrid Barcelona Manchester United all the giants all the big big clubs are going to come for this guy I still believe and I said it a while ago that he will want us to take his team into the um into the stadium, to the new stadium, at the end of that season, Robbie, or that's when, if he's still banging the goals in and, and Spurs aren't really threatening further at the top of the league, that's the, the big time where 
he's going to have to sit down and think, wow, do I want to stay at the club that I love at Spurs or do I want to go on and try and win titles and get medals, etc., etc.? Which, which you'd think, um, I'm not, I'm not certain of it, that that's what he'd want to do. Don't, don't all want to play? Uh, players want to win trophies, Rob? Don't they? Yeah, they do. Derek, you, you, your take on Hurricane? I think Harry Kane is a bit of a throwback. I think that there's something refreshingly old-fashioned about Kane. Um, you know, he grew up 15 minutes from White Hart Lane. He served his apprenticeship playing down the divisions, smaller yeah. clubs. I watched him at Leighton Orient many years ago now when he was just breaking through as a, a teenager. Uh, and, and I do think that... Um, I'm not saying that clubs don't mean um, certain things to certain players, but clearly there is a an identification with Tottenham when it comes to Harry Kane mm. in a way that you don't find. It's, it's like Robbie Musto in Middlesbrough. You know what I mean? It's, I know you didn't grow <laughs> up in Middlesbrough, Robbie, but you know where I'm coming from. Um, I was there a long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and Harry Kane wears that Tottenham badge. Mm-hmm. There will, however, come a time for Harry Kane to say to himself, it's a short career mm-hmm. and you have to make it count. And he is a special player. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, he's somebody who can score goals for fun. We're seeing it in this calendar year with 39 and counting. And he will have the biggest clubs in Europe coming after him. Mm. And it would take, I think, a strange person not to want to embrace that at some point in his career. But um, I think Robbie Musto is right. I think that you know, probably one more year, see the new stadium through and then um, get his chance. The difficulty for Harry Kane is with Tottenham, it's hard to to imagine, to visualise that he's going to win a, a top-flight title or a European trophy. Let, let me throw something else into the mix then for, for you two fine gentlemen. That, that Harry Kane, as you say, uh, Derek, finds a way that he's happier for, for, for the time being. Let's yep. say in like two, three, four years, whatever. He gets a salary that, that's suited to somebody and is standing in the game. But Manchester City, at the end of this season, or Real Madrid or Manchester United go... Mr. Levy, I have £175 million burning a hole in my pocket and I want Harry Kane. Do Spurs, will Spurs feel they need to take that money in? Like going to a new stadium that's obviously costing a lot of money. That A player that we've seen, we've seen Luka Modric leave the football club, we've seen Gareth Bale lose the football club. Are Spurs management, ownership, the kind of club that say, under no circumstances is Harry Kane leaving, or is there a number that actually makes it? So it might not become Harry Kane's necessarily decision. It might be more led by the club. Yeah, no, I mean, disagree. Go on, Robbie. No, I disagree. I, I think uh, what, there's no the number. There's no number. There's no number for Spurs. Then You're there is a number for Spurs. There if is Manchester Spurs. City put yeah. two hundred million yeah, on yeah, the table. Yeah. Then, then 250 million. Of course, there's a number for him. There Correct. is a number for him. But we just spoke three minutes ago, Robbie, about him about his desire, I think, Correct. to stay at this football yeah. club for, for one more season. After the season, they're in the, the, um, they're in the new stadium, of course, I think then, but I think... I don't, well, I don't, well, well, well what if I'm Pep and I think right now, um, and I go to my um, owners and they say, we've got 200 million, spend it where you want, and I go, I'd love our Harry Kane. I make that phone call, Rob. That, well, you're talking about the end of this season, aren't yeah. you? You're talking end about the end of this season. season. They win the Premier League you know, at a, at a stroll. They go deep in the Champions League, maybe not win it, whatever. Then he says, right, my next stage is I want a, a striker. Guarantee me through. you got Aguero. You're on your way. You've been brilliant. Thank you. Here's Harry Kane. Oh, here's 200 million. Daniel Levy, do you want it? What do you think happens? Listen, it, Daniel Levy might say, you know what? Hey, Harry, we've had this incredible offer from Man City. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, an, it's an offer that, that I'm going to accept. It's mm. up to you, Harry. And I think, and I'm interested in Derek's opinion as well. I think... Um, 
I think Harry Kane, <laughs> I think he would. I think he'd say, you know what, I, I get it, and, and, and that's fine, but I want to stay here for wow. one more season. Big, big I'm interested mm-hmm. in, in, in one more into the stadium. I'll, I want to give the club and the fans one more season, then I'm open to go. What do you think, Derek? I mean, is that an offer too good to refuse over I, Harry Kane? I, I get the question, Rob. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I think if it were anyone else, uh, mm. or you know, 95% of players, I don't think this would be part of the equation. But I, I do think, and maybe this is... Um, the idealist in me, but I, I do yeah. think Harry Kane is different. I yeah. think that he's he's somebody who, um, who you know, he wears uh, his heart on his sleeve with Tottenham. Um, it, it's it's an extraordinary situation, and as I said before, at some point he will make the decision to leave. It, it would be you know yeah. madness for him not to do that, not to to take on that opportunity. But I, I think that he has Spurs so much in his blood yeah. that, that I would think that, yeah, I think so for the for a couple of years. On, on the last Spurs line, and, and this is part of, part of the Harry Kane's same scenario, mm. do other players have to stay? Do we have to keep this group together? If one or two others start going out the window, Robert, is this squad, well, he might look around and start seeing a team that, that's not as good as, as it was, not quite fulfilling potential. Don't Spurs have to also keep Harry Kane, but keep building, keep developing, keep looking to get better? They do, they do, and, and uh, that will be a factor if Deli Ali, Danny mm-hmm. Rose and, and Ericsson, others someone. go um, in the summer. Of course, he's going to be extremely disappointed and will question his future again, but I, I'm, not, I'm not changing my mind, Rob. I, st- I still think this season and one more into the new stadium, no matter what happens mm. pretty much in the summer. Uh, after that, I think then is, I mean, he'll be 25 mm. or whatever. It's a, you know, he's still absolutely coming into his peak where he can go and do his, his best work or even better work potentially overseas. But I, yeah, I get your mm. point, but I still think he will be there um, this time next year. I hope you're right. I hope for Spurs yeah. fans that, that you're right. Let, let's talk about Liverpool. Fourth place, 38 points. Dramatic 3-3 draw with Liverpool last time out. 5-0 win against, sorry, Swansea uh, at Anfield on Boxing Day. And then the big news. Mm -hmm. Virgil van Dijk for $100 million. Just let that settle. Virgil van Dijk, $100 million. Wow. Okay, Okay. so let's... I mean, of of the... the stuff that we've seen of him, Robin, let's, let's yeah. just first of all get to him as a player yeah. and what it's going to bring and, and is mm. anywhere near. This is a massive number, by the way. And, you know, we, we need to talk about it for about 30 seconds, Rob, and, and then move on because <laughs> we know that we've said this many times about yeah. different players. The fee is so high. It's like, wow, really yeah. worth that? Mm. Um, and that's, the, you know, the market it takes a little bit. He's tall. He's very good on the ball. He wins everything pretty much in the air. Um the only thing I'm not sure about him, Rob, is, and I, heard, I think I heard this, uh, somebody used to watch him at Celtic a lot, Derek, and yeah. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure Derek's opinion is going to be great on this as well, that, that maybe in, in tough times, he's mm. not, he's not a, he ain't got a big heart. He's not one of them. He's not, he doesn't wear it like that. He's not that guy that wears his heart on his sleeve and will find a way to, to win or to tackle. Or to, to, you know, he's not that last-ditch, passionate defender that, I mean, to be a top-class guy, like a John Terry's type of attitude and his lion heart, if you like. That's the only thing, apparently, other than that, I think, as a footballer, I mean, it's going to be such an upgrade. It's such a brilliant move for Liverpool. It really is. Now, it's not. that's not to say that all the pieces are in, in place, but the biggest piece they needed for me was a central defender, and he's been one of the best in the Premier League over the recent years when he's not had his mind on leaving Southampton Football Club. So it is no, you can't get away from it, Rob. It's a brilliant, brilliant um, signing. Uh, others need to come in, but I, I, this, this is a game-changer for Liverpool, I think. As Robbie said there, um, I 
watched Virgil van Dijk at Celtic very closely, um, mm. most games actually for, for a couple of seasons there. And uh, what we saw there was a player who transformed the defence, had those transformative qualities. Um, as Robbie said, great on the ball, um, very composed. Is he a leader, Derry? Can he um, lead? I didn't see the um, I didn't see the deficiency there so much, but mm. I would accept that he's not a, a fire and brimstone defender necessarily. Mm -hmm. He's he's in many respects more of a typical Dutch defender, um, yeah. you know. And and I know that you can't generalise about mm. stereotypes and, and countries' personalities, but um, he he he. he he just has that, that air about him. You know, he oozes confidence. And it was very clear to me when I saw him. And I, I, it's funny because I, I did some homework on Van Dyke when Celtic were about to sign him. Um, a few people were asking me on Twitter, have you seen Van Dyke?" And I, I, I dug out some videos and I thought, this player looks fantastic. Now, obviously, the level in the Netherlands is not what it is in England. Similarly, in Scotland, it wasn't. But he was doing it in the Champions League. Mm. And I think you can always yeah. make a judgment on a player in the Champions League against some of the best players in the world. And, uh, you know, what we've seen at Southampton has only, um, you know, further uh, enhanced that, that view that, that he's, he's a fantastic defender. And Liverpool have had him in mind for a long time. Jurgen mm. Klopp has known for a while that the defence has a glass jaw and that it needs somebody like Van Dijk. Now, really interesting to hear Van Dijk say that, that Klopp is the guy yeah, he wants to work with. Yeah, 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 because everything seemed to be pointing for a few days away from Liverpool and instead to Manchester City. But he's going to Liverpool, and I must say personally, I welcome this because... Um, I love the Liverpool style. Mm. You know, as, as commentators, when we we do games, we're not biased, but there are certain styles we enjoy more mm. than others. And mm. when Liverpool are at, are at their best and playing that flowing football, uh, I, I don't know that there's a better team to watch. They're not mm. as good as Manchester City, but they can be just as watchable, maybe more at times than Manchester City. But I think this is the the piece of the jigsaw puzzle that Liverpool have needed. And I think at the moment, um, to go back to the the argument we were having earlier about top four I think it would be very surprising mm. if Liverpool are not a top four team at the end of the season based on this signing alone. Well, well doesn't this signing almost put that little bit of pressure on Jurgen Klopp now when you go and spend that kind of money he's got to have the effect to, to virtually get you top four my only my only slight concerns and, and I'm going to have two bits of realism that just I just think that Liverpool have to be careful that right, we've got Van Dijk that's all our defensive problems solved yeah. I don't think that's the case I think it's a collective thing set pieces Virgil Van Dijk can only pick up one person you know, set pieces is an area of the port that Liverpool have to do better on. My second slight concern, and, and this comes more to a, another player in the team, having spent $100 million, does some of that money get recouped by letting Philip Coutinho out the door, whether it's this January window or next summer with Barcelona? I hope not, because I've, I want to see Coutinho at the top end of the pitch and Van Dijk at the other end of the pitch. But Robbie Musto, there must be some thoughts that people are suggesting Maybe some of the finance for Van Dijk, maybe why they could go could afford to go that high, is they know they've got a guaranteed big sum of money coming in for Philip Coutinho. Yeah, and I think I think it would be in the summer. I can't imagine it would happen in January. I just can't. I think it it potentially could happen in the summer. And you know, oh, as excited as Liverpool fans <laughs> can get about a new defender, I mean, losing Coutinho, I, I just I'm a massive fan. I think he's a, a wonderful little player that changes so much. You can talk about they've got other wingers at the club, um, you know, pacey wingers and Mane and Salah, but Coutinho brings something different. He brings he brings patience. He brings a quality. He brings a, a difference in pace that he can inject into games. He can link things together smoothly. He can be dynamic and 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 create and, and look to score a lot more. So that, of course, is 
a big issue. Now, you know, who knows, Rob? I mean, what, what I would say, I mean, that's the summer. And the summer's long, a long way off right now. I think just back on Jurgen Klopp, he's very slowly and carefully, I would say, put a team together that I think he thinks can win the Premier League title. And if it goes well with Virgil van Dijk, we know that uh, Naby is going to come mm. in, and I'd love to get, again, Derek's mm. seen him, I'm sure, lots in Germany, that's going to add something extra and will improve their midfield. I just wonder if, I mean, you know, th- there's... Are they going to bring a new goalkeeper in? I think another fullback might might be of use as well. But could there be a scenario? And I'm, I'm, I think I'm stretching a little bit, Rob, that the Coutinho thinks, you know what, something special is really happening at this club, and I want to be a part of it, even in the summer, even if Barcelona come back in. Now, that might be a big stretch, and it and it might not happen. But mm. I, you know, that that's one question for both of you. And also, you know, credit for Klopp to for being yeah. patient about this transfer, Rob. And and when he's gone into the market, you know, Mohamed Salah he's getting it right. You know, he needs others, he needs a goalkeeper and some other players, but I just think he's slowly but surely, as I'm sure, you know, it happened to Dortmund, who's there a long time before he started winning the big stuff, he's putting it together. Yeah. Um, Nabi Keita, I, I think mm. that he is going to charm everybody in English football because Nabi Keita is two players in one. Um, he can defend as a midfield player, he can do what... N'Golo Conte can mm. do, for example, at Chelsea. Uh, but then there's a whole other attacking side of, of Keita. Goals in his game, assists for other players. Um, I think Liverpool have done really well to get mm. Keita. And that's going to change the dynamic because whereas at the moment you've got players like Jordan Henderson, Emery Chan playing in central midfield. Chan, I have a feeling, will be, will be gone at the end of the, the season playing somewhere else um, with Keita's arrival. Mm and Van Dijk now anchoring the defence. And, you know, would Coutinho want to stay? I, I have a feeling he, he won't. I have a feeling that he's, he's got his... Barcelona I, I think his head has been turned. I, I, I just yeah. I have that strong feeling. But that's not to say Liverpool can't prosper without him. And as I say, Keita, I think you're, you're getting a different player in Keita. Um, you know, not a member of the, the Fab Four, so to speak, because he, he does position himself deeper. But somebody who I think will do wonderfully well in English football and Liverpool fans have every reason to be excited about his arrival. And I think the Klopp thing just does need addressing just before we move on from Liverpool. You know, a bit like Pep Guardiola came into this football club and had to address his full-back positions, had to address his goalkeeper, went out, did that, and we've seen what it's done to Manchester City. Jurgen Klopp has gone out and made his first big move addressing the defensive issues at his football club. And he should be commended. spent a lot of money and it's got to work for him. But he should be commended for having a, a, a problem with his team, going out, being bold, spending the money and getting somebody who can solve that problem. I mean, so. To be fair, Rob, he, he tried to get him in the summer, didn't he? Yeah, you know, that, didn't that was work. a real yeah. blow that he didn't yeah. get it. Now, just finally, the next piece of the jigsaw, what's next for you two in terms of Liverpool, uh, in terms of position? I would say Goal goalkeeper. Goalkeeper. Yeah. Goalkeeper. Yep. Go and Derek, get, same. Look, look at what Edison's done for, for, for Man- yeah. Manchester City. Go yeah. and get a reliable goalkeeper. Yeah, I think so. And and even of the two of them, and I, I'm maybe a bit biased because I've seen a lot of Karius in, in Germany. Mm. I, I know he's got a mistake in him as well. Mm. But I think he's he's that bit better than Mignolet. But I would agree, I think that should be a priority. I think Liverpool need a better, higher quality goalkeeper. Let's Sorry. move on to the reigning champions. Chelsea, they sit third at the moment, 42 points. One behind Manchester United at the moment, chasing teams down. Uh, 0-0 draw against Chelsea recently. Routine 2-0 win against Brighton on Boxing Day. Eddie Nazard in outstanding form, whether he's playing as a false nine or, or striker. Alvaro Morato scoring goals. The link-up with Aspilicueta seems to be exciting. What about Chelsea? Are, are they really chasing that second spot, trying to hunt down Manchester United? And 
whatever pressure they can put on, on, on Manchester City? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's, you know, I guess my opinion is that this, it's, of course, it's hard to replicate and be champions um, the season after you've won it. Uh, you add into that Man City how great they've been. This isn't this isn't massively disappointing for me for Chelsea. I mean, I don't know whether some Chelsea fans think that the that they should be doing a better job of defending their title than this. They're one point behind Manchester United. Um, uh, you know, of what we've seen in United, that they could potentially finish second. The Champions League is going to be huge for them, of mm-hmm. course, later in February when the, the knockout stages stages um, begin. Yeah. I think Morata has has looked great at times. He's looked a little tired at other times Hazard has uh, shown his versatility I mean he's a decent squad at Chelsea now I mean he did talk a lot in the summer about he needs this player and that player mm. they got they got they got full back they got uh, wing back cover they got centre back cover Christensen has, has looked a million dollars as a, as a yeah. centre of the three centre backs there's Pedro and William that are kind of out of the team when Cesc comes into midfield so I, I you know I think I love the manager I think Antonio Conte is a absolute winner and yes he might be frustrated of where he wants to take this team and the sort of players that he wants to bring in and the club maybe are not sure about um, totally trusting his judgment on all those positions. But, you know, I, I'm fairly neutral, I guess, on Chelsea. I, I think, you know, what do you expect? It's hard to repeat and they're going to want to go a long way in the Champions League competition this season. I think there's something strangely under the radar about Chelsea and, mm. and, and that's a it's an odd thing to say about the defending champions, but it's almost as though... Uh, they're there in third position at the moment, pushing for second, but such a long way behind Manchester City. And I don't think anybody's really talking about Chelsea yeah. in, in a well, weird way. Are Chelsea not a little bit like Arsenal? I almost get the yeah. sense that we, we're not sure what the future holds, so we're yep. not sure quite how to judge them or where they're going. David Luiz out of the team at the moment, Gary Kale. So we've seen, we're starting to see a bit of transition, Christensen and Rudiger. As, as Robbie said, we, we've seen Morata come in and, 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 and do quite well in, in most games. We've seen William and Pedro not necessarily in the team. Well, you know, is Antonio Conte going to be manager next season? And if question. he is, is he going to get the money to, to really put a team? Because Chelsea are probably the one team with, with the money and with the ownership and the way they go. They could probably really go out and challenge Manchester City for, for, for the next title. I mean, do you know what I think on this? I think Antonio Conte is probably thinking to himself, right, you know, this club, I've come in in my first season, I've won the title. Mm-hmm. Right, now let, let, let's, let's really go to town now. Let's yeah. really go big time. You've, I've proven myself... Okay, give me give me some trust in the market. Mm. Let let's go for players that I know I'm confident can improve us and take us to another level to to to, to success maybe in the Champions League or to be closer to dominating English football. Difficult now, of course, with City. Um, and I think the club's reluctance to to go along with that mm. might mean in the summer that they part ways, which would be which would be a, a big shame for the club because I, I really believe in the manager. But I just think the manager might get so frustrated that listen, I've done it for you once back me Let, let's really go to town and take mm. it further and it seems at the moment we'll see with the window and, and maybe later in the season and rumours about the summer that the club are a little bit reticent to fully trust him um, with signings and pushing the team forward and that I think could lead to a big bust up in the summer yeah I mean we kept hearing a few months ago that Conte was a surefire bet to, to be gone um, you know these stories surfaced every few weeks and uh, it would not be a big surprise if he's managing somewhere else next season. But like Robbie, there's something about him that's very likable. Mm. Um, he's he's an inventor, I think. I think Conte. He's he's in the Italian tradition, but he switches things around when he has to. Um, and uh, I I do think that Azar is very important to Chelsea, and he's another one who 
you know, might be tempted away at a certain point. Um, you know, I, I think there will be suitors for, mm, for Aiden cool. Azar. Um, uh, Andreas Christensen, another player I watched a lot of, uh, you know, delighted for him that he has slotted in. And, I mean, he, he looks every bit one mm. of the top defenders in it English does. football, one of the top two or three at the moment. And um, so there's a lot to like about Chelsea. But, again, it comes back to that they're stuck miles behind Manchester City. Could they outlast Manchester United? Very possibly. Um, again, a tweak here, a tweak there in January might help uh, or, or might uh, help one of the other teams. But um, to go back to what I said earlier, just slightly weird that the defending champions are, are not really being spoken about and it's a reflection of the, the one-sided, unfortunately, title race we have this season. You're correct, Antonio Conte. would be a huge loss for Chelsea. would be a huge loss for the Premier League if he was to leave English football. Let's move it on to the team sitting in second, Manchester United. Always a story coming out there with Jose Mourinho. They're on 43 points, 15 points behind Manchester City. Sitting in second place, a 2-2 draw with Leicester. Late goal from Harry Maguire, got Leicester to share the points. 2-2 draw with Burnley, a brace. Late goal by Jesse Lingard, enough to give Manchester United a point at home. So not been going great for Jose. We've had some sort of mixed messages about money and players and his boys doing as well as they can and him being happy and then the team being a joke. I mean, where are we with United, Jose Mourinho and their future, Robin Musto? As long as they finish second, I think it'd be okay. They've got to finish second for me. They've spent a fortune. They've bought in massive record signings in Lukaku and Paul Pogba. I mean, you can go through the team, Rob. There's been signings throughout. I mean, he spent money right through the, the, the team in, in Lindelof and Eric Bailly and two midfield players, Pogba and uh, Nemanja Matic from Chelsea. You know, your striker in Lukaku. I mean, th- there's been enough money spent there. It, it was a bad... I thought the timing was wrong. You lose to Bristol City with a strong side. You can't beat 10 men Leicester City away. It's finished 2-2. And Burnley at home, 2-2. So don't, you know... You, you got enough in the squad, you know, without spending anything at Man United to beat those teams with all due respect. So I think as long as they're the best of the rest, Rob, I think we, you know, you can't be too critical on them. I mean, I could mm. be, um, you know, the way that they play, this kind of m- mashup of, of counter-attacking, of sometimes it's kind of more build-up with more um, more technical players in the side, sometimes Lingard and the other the two pacey guys up front play in the outside position. So it's a bit of a, a mix-up for me when they attack. But that was always the thing for me with, mm. with Mourinho. He wasn't, he's never proven to be a, a great, proactive, expansive, exciting creative football club it just hasn't it's been the other way and this season doing that other way in some games defense first counter-attacking it was great at the start they got a lot of goals and it was like well done but the the foundation defensive foundation you need for that system hasn't been there they've sat back and they've conceded goals that we don't normally see them uh, concede but they are in second place they're ahead of Mm -hmm. Chelsea they're ahead of Liverpool they're ahead of Arsenal and other clubs Um, so the improvement's been there but with the money spent and what we're expecting to get with, with the City kind of comparison and matchup, if you like, is uh, of course it's been disappointing. And maybe the contrast, Rob, to the style of play for that City are uh, doing at the top yeah. of the league and, and United in second. And Jose Mourinho's just been a little bit touchy recently when asked about money and time and the way his team plays. This has been his response lately in a press conference. There are two different things. You know, one thing is a big club, another thing is a big football team. And we are in. in in the second year of trying to rebuild a football team that you know that is not one of the best teams in the world. You know, so when you speak about responsibilities to win uh, the Premier League, uh, Tottenham doesn't have that responsibility. 
because they are not uh, a club with the same history as us. The history plays. Arsenal doesn't have a responsibility to win it. Chelsea doesn't have a responsibility to win it. You know, you know, Manchester City, they buy fullbacks for the price of the strikers. <laughs> you know? So when you, you speak about big football, big football clubs, you are speaking about the history of the club. Oh dear, I hope Virgil does, he doesn't get onto the Virgil van Dijk money. If you spend 100 million for a centre back, he ain't going to be able to put that as he chose. I mean, Derek, is this just classic Mourinho? Is this mm-hmm. him finding a little bit of time, needing, wanting a little bit more money from the coffers at Old Trafford to try and close the gap on City? Yeah, I think it's classic deflect. Um, we've heard it before from Jose over the years. Um, let's make no bones about it. Manchester United have spent money as well <laughs> and will continue to spend money. Um, uh, you know, he, he's been cheesed off, there's no doubt about it, the last little while. And it clearly irks, you know, that the shoe is on the other foot. For years, Mourinho was the guy who held all the cards, irrespective of where he was managing. He was the guy that came in and would get financial backing, in most cases, more than anyone else. And now he's jealous of Pep. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, but it's not going Jose's way. And, yeah, I mean, it's fun to listen to that sort of thing. And you know, there have been a few similar press conferences, as I said, over the last few weeks, and there'll probably be more. But eventually you start tuning out a little bit. You start sort of saying, it's, it's a bit like the little boy that cried wolf. You, you eventually kind of go, okay, oh, yeah, it's, ju- it's just Jose again. He's, he's bleating on. Um, and... You know, that's the way it is. They're a long way behind Manchester City. The balance hasn't been right in that team Mm -hmm. this season. Um, You know, for a while it was working early on. Lukaku was scoring goals. They were finding a way um, to get him into scoring positions and he was finishing. Um, But it hasn't, hasn't really happened has it I mean if you if you judge the totality of his work with United so far I think it's been just okay and you know then we saw the other the other day there uh, against Burnley uh, that the halftime substitutions you know did work the introduction of Lingard mm-hmm. and I think Lingard maybe is a slightly underrated player um, in some of the key games he, he's been the man to step forward but um, United you know they might finish second I don't know that that's a guarantee. Wouldn't shock me if Chelsea are the, are the team that end up in second place, and and Josie's just going to have to swallow it. I know there's one player in particular, Robin Musto, and we, we won't delve too deep into it. But Romelu Lukaku, I know, is somebody who's on your kind of watch list at the moment. The next mm-hmm. 18 games, in terms mm-hmm. of can he, will he do enough to one show that he was worth the kind of money and and do something that Manchester United centre-forwards have always had to do in the past is maybe create a little something special for himself that, that wins your games. Yeah, I think I think we knew that he wasn't going to be the, a superstar striker for them, um, but we were both confident mm. that he was going to score a lot of goals yeah. for them. Um, and it hasn't really happened. But So then it makes you think, well, you know, should they have... You know, it's a world-class team in Manchester United. It's one of the biggest on the planet. Should they have, in a, in a marquee position in your team as your striker, your centre-forward, should they have a marquee top world-class striker? Um, p- possibly, yes. And, and that continues to be a bit of a concern for mine, Robin, in terms of, is he, has he got the class, the quality that the fans at United expect. It, it, it's different playing at, at Everton or mm. different clubs. When he when he mes- makes a couple of mistakes or he makes a bad pass, it, you know, you, you, you as a player, you hear the ooze from the crowd and the disappointment that's there. So that that's that's um, certainly an issue. I just want to just re- want to rewind a little bit, Rob. Just just back onto the, I guess, the City and United comparison. The only thing I would say for, for Jose Mourinho, okay. Now it, it, this is in no way 
defending the money that he spent and the football that they play, and it's been a disappointment. But I think I think you've got to throw in here the football club's policy over the last three four years. You've got to you've got to you've got to assess how well the clubs have done recruitment and you look at man city rob and whether they knew that this price inflation was going to go crazy with mm. the new money the new tv deals and the price was going to go up and up and up and up and up they invested a lot of money big money in young players you think of leroy sane raheem yeah. sterling and i'm going mm. back a little bit you know john stones kevin de bruyne you know jesus they 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 spent a lot on these younger guys maybe thinking that these can be top players with a top coach so we don't have to buy £75 million centre-backs or, or crazy money to be at the very top of the Premier League. Because that's what Jose's saying. To be at the very top now, they've got to spend incredible amounts of money to match what City have got. But I, I do give City credit that the young players they've bought with huge potential have, are coming to fruition. Mm. And they've got a manager now that's making them all better. So there is an argument that I will listen to that City squad, when the both of them took over, had more potential in it than United's did. Uh, I agree, Rob, but then I think you look at people like Luke Shaw, Mkhitaryan, you would say, are they being managed well? Younger mm. players who've got yeah. good ability, maybe in a different system, maybe with a different form of management, you might get more out of them. So, listen, I, I hear your argument. I think the, the, these falls and against on, on both on both sides, but right now, uh, Manchester United have got a gap to fill, and if Jose's going to get the money to back him, maybe he feel he can close that gap, but it, it, it's going to look... I don't think it's going to get any, any shorter as Pep looks to go on and his talk about Pep Guardiola signing a longer-term contract at Manchester City. Let's talk about City because we're, we're getting to the end of, of the podcast. Yep. First place, 58 points, 18 consecutive wins. I mean, just the numbers are ridiculous. 61 goals scored this season, 4-0 winners against Bournemouth, 1-0 winners against Newcastle, although it could have been 3 or 4 in the end. They, they may be um, happy to get out of Newcastle with the three points, but... We're now starting to talk, Robin. We're twenty games in, so we're you know we're, we're we're well over the halfway mark. About the best team we've seen in Premier League years, Derek. You, let's get Derek's seen, take yeah, on it. You, yeah, let's get Derek first on this. You've seen plenty of uh, Premier League football. Where, where do they stand for you? Uh, they're right up there. Uh, I, I think there's no doubt that in terms of consistency, in terms of um, technical ability in one team, in terms of tactical nous in one team, because what Guardiola mm. does. Um, is what nobody else does. I mean, he, he gets his players to do things, and he did it at Bayern, he did it at Barcelona as well. He gets his players to respond in a way that, that I haven't seen from any other coach. Um, but the raw material was already there. And I think probably we should wait till the end of the season to judge, but I have yeah. a feeling that we'll be saying that um, they will probably go down as, as the best team we've seen in the Premier League era. Now, there have been some very good teams. The Arsenal Invincibles, of course. They great United teams under Sir Alex Ferguson at various times, uh, but were they as dominant week to week as City are? Well, I mean, the facts speak for that not being the case because uh, it's 18 successive wins, as you said. It's probably going to be 19. That would match mm. uh, Bayern's total in terms of comparing with, um, with teams in Europe's top five leagues. Bayern with Pep Guardiola as mm -hmm. the coach. And, and incidentally, talking to people at Bayern... You know, they've told me that what Guardiola did there was revolutionary, that he put building blocks in place um, that will stand them in good stead for many years. And that's what I think he's building. So maybe we should actually be waiting two or three years to judge because I actually think they could get better and better and better. And that is a worry for everybody else in the Premier League. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with that last statement, uh, Derek. Absolutely agree with it. I mean, even this season, ben, uh, John Stones have been out for a while. Benjamin Mendy, who looks a tremendous player, a, a young player again at left back. Um, and I'm sure they'll bring in players, you know, over the next couple of windows to be even better. I think what he's showing us now, Rob, and, and a lot of people question him last season, Pep Guardiola, and I'll never forget it because, you know, it, it took a lot, quite a lot of stick around this sort of time when the results were, were disappointing and everybody's asking him questions about playing out from the back and can his style work, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's showing us now that he's the best coach in the, in the, in the world. Mm. You know, it, with what he's done, he's, I know it's three clubs. I know uh, he spent money at every one of these clubs. But as Derek said, you know, I've got the same same vibes as well from, from, from German followers that what he did there, he, yes, we know he didn't win the Champions League, but he absolutely dominated that league. And he's doing it again now with a style of football that's just sensational. And, I, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, the way that he does it is the hardest it's the absolute hardest when people absolutely sit everybody in their own box almost 10 players mm. behind the ball and you know he still manages to find a way to get as we've said before Rob in behind those little areas where he gets those wide players to get in behind to pull back and score goals um, and he's, he's come up with different strategies for different games 4-2-4 against Newcastle when they when they bunker in he's done that before you know the the false nine against Manchester United, wasn't it, that, that dominated the game. So he's incredibly smart. He's got a, he must have a little little um, dossier of, of scenarios, what he does. Um, just, just, it's just fantastic seeing it. And again, to reiterate what Derek said, I think the team, as long as he's satisfied at the club and he's happy to stay longer and build an incredible club uh, in terms of success in Manchester, I think they're going to get better. You know, the, the most sort of impressive thing to me, and we, we were doing the game against Newcastle yesterday, is that I look at some of the individuals, Rob, and, and I think as a player, and you know, you get to 24, 25, and you're kind of what you are. You, you're, you're either a runner up and down, you maybe can pass, you know, from A to B, or you, you're, you're a decent crosser or not. You, you kind of start getting towards the, the, the end product. Yeah, I look at Fabian Delph. I look at Nicholas Otamendi, who one time was mm. a bit of a liability. I look at Aliakim Mangala. I look at Raheem Sterling, by the way, who mm. at one point I'm thinking is not going to be able to top draw. He's just always going to be short. I mean, the guy's got 13 Premier League goals. And that's the all the manager. That's all the manager and pushing for end product. Yeah, and, and, but how do, you, how do you improve that kind of play, Rob? We've been in clubs and you don't usually see that kind of level of improvement in individuals. Of course, people get a bit better or they get a bit wiser or more mature. Fabian Delph. I mean, he, there was talk about him going to Stoke in the, in the summer. All of a sudden, he looks a world beater. In, in the, is this a system? Yeah. Is, it, is it part of the system? And once you're in that system, you makes you look a better player? Well, I'll get Derek's taking a minute on it, but, but, but it's absolutely the way that he coaches the team. Everybody's on the same page. And when everybody's learned those pages, and it took a little bit of time, mm. then it benefits every player and it makes every player better. Ryan Sterling, by the way, before Pep got there, was kind of mm. drifting a yeah. little bit. Drifting. Not, you know, is. There was, there was certainly there was problems with his game that weren't mm. getting addressed. He wasn't improving, but all of a sudden a guy comes in. It's not just the individual bit that we've seen in the videos of him coaching players yeah. and Sterling, etc. It's more of the bigger picture about how efficient he's made this football team to stretch defenders. So if you're playing against a team that's that's totally stretched right across the field of play, there's more space to play. Mm -hmm. There's more space for the creative players to get on the ball. There's more opportunities to play in behind. So Raheem Sterling is told, whenever you can, you make runs in behind your defender, and you're mm -hmm. going to get in. That's made him better. It's made the passer of the ball in, in De Bruyne and, and David Silva better. So, it, it, again, it's down to a bigger holistic approach in terms of coaching as well as the individual stuff. But, Derek, I want to I hear from you about, in the Bundesliga with Bayern Munich, how he changed the, the style and how players improved. 
I'll give you one example, Robbie, a very good one, Philip Lam. And if you talk to yeah. Philip Lam, <clears throat> he'll tell you that what he learned under Guardiola was astonishing. And um, it made him mm. the complete professional. I mean, Philip Lam was always a very good, maybe one of the best yeah. fullbacks in the world. Um, he made Philip Lam something more than that and, and suddenly opened the possibilities of Lam playing in a different position uh, in central midfield. And um, I think if you look at that, if you look at what he, what he did there, and how he, he changed you know the pace of the Bayern team. They used to be, <clears throat> if you like, kind of a combination of the best of Germany and the best of England. It was quite direct. It, they've sort of gone back to that now with Jupp Heynck as, as mm -hmm. coach. Um, but with Guardiola, it was much more measured. Um, but it, it was light years ahead of what anybody else was doing. Now, of course, he had the financial advantage. <clears throat> but I have the feeling, looking at Guardiola, and, and I've always felt this, that irrespective of the financial situation at the club he's managing at, I still think that Guardiola would would have a title in him because I think that uh, he's he's a, he's ahead of all of us. Yeah, I mean he's ahead of of everybody, and clearly he, he sees things quickly. And um, you know, I I, I think I, it's going to be amazing at the end of his career just just what we say about him, just um, you know where he goes down in in the pantheon of of great coaches because innovation is at the core. I remember Robbie. It's funny when you and I first started working together. I remember mm. covering Barcelona back then, oh, and, and yeah, and, and you know, you would say to me, you know, you'd come from the English football background. You'd say, I'm, I, I am just, you yeah. know, treated every week watching this yeah. because yeah. it's opened my mind as well. You know, it's yeah. it's it's just different. Yeah, I, I thought that was the, that's still for me the best club team I've ever seen. Yeah. That 2009, 2010, Pop Guardiola with, with, with Iniesta, Xavi and Messi and, and, and different players sometimes in the wide positions. Pedro was part of it. Henri was part of it. David Villa was part of it. I mean, some of the football they played was... was, was I remember that. We did games where I am... I, I'm almost breath speechless of some of the yep. football that we saw back then. So it, it, it started back then and it was great to get that experience for me of watching him week in, week out, covering those Barcelona games in La Liga and just like saying wow Danny Alves at right back yeah. and it was just a, an amazing time and, and it's so great now that the, the English football fans in general are seeing somebody that's that's really remarkable in terms of his, his coaching ability yeah absolutely no doubt Pep's got it going at Manchester City 15 points gap at the top of the table serving up some of the best football we've seen in Premier League history long mate continue so that's it from us. We want to hear from you, our listeners. Firstly, we'd love you to rate and review the show by downloading the two Robbies on Apple Podcasts. Tell us what you like, but more importantly, tell us who you support and why, and we'll read out the best responses on our next podcast. So, on Arsenal Wenger's 810th Premier League game in charge of Arsenal, the Gunners shoot down the Eagles at Selhurst Park. I'm Earl, he's Musto, and we had Derek Ray. So we're the two Robbies and Derek. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and bye for now. <laughs>